We don't gotta be who we were yesterday. It's a new year and a new decade. 2020 is here, my friends. Welcome. It's so good to see you. I've missed you so dearly. I hope you've missed me as much as I've missed you. What are we going to do this year? How are we going to improve ourselves? I think first and foremost, we got to get a hold of our minds, maybe add a little bit more meditation into the mix, take care of our bodies. Yoga always helps. Maybe start eating better, um, which I, I, I've started doing. You know, I'm, 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 no, I'm no pro when it comes to health and fitness, but I've decided that this year I'm going to be giving up fried foods. I'll still eat pizza, I'll still eat a nice sub every now and then, but uh, I've already kind of made the switch to eating more salads, and I, I have to tell you, it's improved my overall life, just because it's a mental thing. I think this whole experience of whatever it is we're doing on planet Earth, and the third dimension, is all about our minds. And really wrangling them. I think if you can change your mind, you can change the world. Or maybe that's a bunch of bullshit. I'm going to keep believing it because it's been working so far. Maybe, maybe you've tried it too. Maybe you've decided to be more positive in the new year. Maybe you've decided to be more loving and understanding of those around you, such as your family. Or maybe even to strangers. I'm sure you have goals. I'm sure there are things that you want to do that are nagging at you at 3 a.m. like they do to me. I didn't really do this. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Da, 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 da. All the things we tell ourselves, that's all bullshit. All those lies. Is there's like this, this, there's a little voice in us. That's the good voice. And then there's a big voice in us, I feel, for myself that is filled with negativity. It puts myself down. I, it lies to me. But that little voice is always there. It's like uh, Jiminy Cricket. I can't, I can't think of the things that Jiminy Cricket says, but I, I just know his overall vibe. And he believes in truth. And that's, that's pretty much it. He, he just believes in truth. Truth at all cost. Even if there's negative consequences short term in your life. Truth at all cost. But that's enough about that. What is going on in the Poptimus universe? Well, I've started videoing the show. We got some microphones now. Uh, Taylor Miller, a.k.a., as, as you know, uh, Millhouse, has been helping out with the podcast. He's been doing a great job. He's been recording it, kind of uh, just acting overall as my wingman. Special shout out also to Ron Bates for, for always letting me send him shit last minute and me freaking out and he, uh, he just gets everything done. Love you, Ronnie. Uh, I think he's got some new music coming in 2020 that we recorded over at Blackbird, so I'm excited for that. As far as music goes, uh, I am available for any production gigs you might have. If you're trying to get a project together and you don't know what to do and you're having trouble getting organized... You need musicians. Maybe you don't need musicians. Maybe you already have them. Give me a call. I'd be happy to help you out any way I can. You can find me on Instagram, the underscore Poptimist, uh, the Poptimist Podcast at gmail.com. Taylor Berryman, of course. Reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, I would be happy to assist you with any production projects you have. I uh, just finished one up with my good friend Kirk Morrow Jr. He's going to be releasing that soon. 
He also just had a baby, Kirk the Third. Congratulations to Kirk and Megan. I'm very happy for you. Musically, what am I going to be doing this year? Well, I think one important thing I'm going to start doing is I got to start making money at this actual music thing. Like, I've always had some kind of hesitation or cold feet towards it, especially towards Broadway. Broadway gets a really bad rap, which I don't necessarily understand. I think you can go down there to play and make money, which is fantastic. Uh, to be a working musician, what a dream come true. So I'm going to try and be doing that. That's really just going to entail, you know, making charts, learning tunes, all that good stuff. It's a gig. What do I want to do personally and spiritually with my instrument? Why do I keep playing? What is it that keeps me going back? And I think it's the challenge of trying to fully understand my capabilities of the electric bass. I've been getting more heavy into jazz, jazz theory, been, been kind of just learning more shit as far as the greats, the classics, how to play, what to play, context of bass lines, walking bass lines, the jazz blues, all that good stuff. I got this really great book from McKay's. It's called The Jazz Bass Book, Technique and Tradition. And it's actually really impressive. It goes through all the different great bass players in jazz, and it gives examples of their playing. It also has like a bunch of sample charts and different things that you can do. Um, and it kind of gives a little bio and context to whatever the situation was of that era. So I find that to be really exciting. Another thing I want to do is get an upright bass. It seems like an entirely new challenge. And it seems like it would be something that would be really cool to do. Um, I'm sure you have some goals yourself. I would love to hear about them. If you want to talk to me, if you need someone to chat with, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to chat all about your goals. The final thing I'm going to leave you with is if you're a musician living in Nashville or a musician living anywhere, it doesn't even have to be in Nashville, I think you should start a podcast. I think everybody that does anything creative should start a podcast. I do not believe in trying to get signed. I don't believe in any of that bullshit. I think it's all a bunch of horseshit. But what's not horseshit is the power of the individual and the capability of what each one of us can do if we put our minds to it. All it takes is a little elbow grease and self-belief. You can do it. Start it up. Let's get in cahoots. We're all going to team up and we're going to take the musical world over. Welcome to The Poptimist. Hi, thank you so much. Today we have Lily Syracuse. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So what do you got cooking? It's the new year. It's coming. It is coming, isn't it? Um, Man, I have just been in, I've been in my uh, seasonal slumber the uh, so appropriate time of just rest and restoration. So uh, this this New Year's looking pretty exciting. I've got a record coming out soon. No exact dates yet, but soon, um, hopefully in the spring. And just working on all that stuff, the mess that comes with that, the good, beautiful chaos of getting all that stuff together. Yeah. The worst part of any release is the actual release. Yeah. It's the most stressful part. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, also just the gather, just even the in-betweens for me has been interesting, just timing-wise and gathering up all of the, oh, 
<laughs> um, all of the, the necessary elements just to get that stuff on the road and going. So, and like, no one really knows what they're doing. No, especially in today's <laughs> world. <laughs> Not a single one of us has any idea what's going on. So it's just been like a experiment for me. And sometimes it's just been not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Just hanging out for the day and been like, nope, not going to look at that. So Yeah, I would say sometimes taking a step back can be the best course of action. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Do you have a title for the record yet? Yeah, Coming Up Diamonds. Great title. Yeah, I like it. thank you, thank you. What does the music sound like? That's a really great question. It's, um, it's a menagerie. Um, it... It kind of touches on on many many feels, in my opinion. Um, my producer really took it all over the place. My my music is all over the place too. Like it's coming from so many different influences and angles that like it wasn't surprising to me when that kind of manifested itself in the recorded music. Um, but I would definitely say that like the the main gist of it would be like like some jazz pop with some some like heavier sort of like rock vibes as well there's it really kind of it runs the gamut it's very interesting even in each song there's much um much influential uh diversity so it's pretty interesting i'm excited to share it i feel like it'll it'll make more sense and come to life even more once it's out there for people's ears it'll kind of yeah it takes on its own meaning once it's actually released for sure what was the writing process like was this something that you were conscious of it was like i'm making an album right now or was it kind of just like i'm writing songs let's see what happens the second for sure um the album making desire and process for me has always been kind of like a behind the scenes like running program in my life but I didn't really have the um the situation just had not arose yet like I I didn't have the right people the right timing and all you know how that is and Mm -hmm. um so I had kind of just almost out of like the need to feel free in my moment as opposed to always chasing after this thing that wasn't happening at that time I kind of put it on the back burner almost as kind of like a, well, this will happen at some point, but right now, whatever. And so any writing or collaboration or exploration that happened between that realization and then the opportunity to, to really fully record the record had no intention behind and it was just making music. And so that has, I think, created a really cool element and might have to do with how eclectic the sound is because it was just really what was coming through. It wasn't really like, I'm doing this for the record. It was just like, this song's coming out. I must write it. The meditative process of music. Yes, totally, totally. So um, that's been really exciting. And then, of course, when you are in that that setting with a producer, it could could really be, it's like a crapshoot of what's going to get picked unless you unless you really are 100% sure it's these 10 songs, no questions asked. So I sent him probably upwards of 25 different songs and I gave him a my favorites list and my desireds and I did have a couple that had to be on this record but other than that I kind of let him thumb through and see like from his perspective and his producer's mind like what of these songs is going to make a body of work 
Um, and then of course I went back and said yes or no to all of it and really loved his taste and his intuition. So it's been a fun process to kind of hands off and let someone help create the magic. It's been mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Who produced it? Um, his name is Mike Marsh and he, um, he, his most recent, like well-known job is like with the Ava brothers. He's their drummer. Um, wow. That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he started Dashboard Confessional with Chris Graba. So him and Oh, Chris wow. Graba I did were not like, know that. Yeah. Him and him and that guy were the, the forerunners of that band. And he was with them for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of crazy because like my, my like first boyfriend in high school was like obsessed with Dashboard Confessional. Really? Obsessed. So it was really crazy to, I mean, I, and I listened to them because... I wanted that guy to feel like I was into it too, but yeah. I was more like, can we just listen to some Fleetwood Mac, please? Like all the time. But he was into that emo kind of punk vibe. Mm-hmm. And um, I grew to like it just by nature of being around it. And um, so it was really crazy to run into and then work so closely with like a guy that I had seen in like all these videos and been listening to for all these years and just had not quite yet met in nashville um and he is also a producer clearly so he's been doing that for i think 10 years as well off and on um and he has a studio in east nashville with us here in this place um called the paper mill nice yeah yeah it's really cool and his process is very fascinating to watch um he's a brilliant guy and he's very genuine he's very kind down to earth and has really good um intent with life in general and so it's beautiful to see him put that into a body of work like a like a record yeah yeah help kind of sew it together i feel like that's really what the producer's kind of job is yeah he also um engineered this project as well so he he had a he had a pretty big chunk that he bit off but um and he also played drums on the whole thing (laughs) so um which I have found drummer producers are some of like the finest. Like they just, I don't know if I have the vernacular for it, but they just get it. You know, they, from, from the very core basic, um, value of the record making process, they're kind of, they get it and understand it, especially if they're able to be in control of that portion, which is the actual drumming part too. So Mm -hmm. it was just crazy to see how he worked and just the process that he, um, needed us to work in for him to, to make it easy and seamless. So it was fascinating. I had not really, I'd been in, I've produced a single with someone before and his process was just completely different. So it was, it was all a new fun surprise for me. But did you see that Stevie Nicks is playing on New Year's Eve in Nashville? I did. I did. And I was, um, my, my best friend actually wrote me about that today and I wrote like three people immediately afterwards it was like Dolly Parton and Stevie Nicks are the only two existences in this world that could make me even halfway consider going downtown. On New oh, Year's yeah. Eve. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, even get me to that place where I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I haven't told my wife yet. Um, I'm not going down there without my wife on yeah, New Year's yeah. Eve. So I have to see what, what how she how she vibes on it. But I mean, we both love some Stevie. So it might be... A New Year's Eve in Nashville for yeah. us. Um, it gets crazy down there, dude. I know. I know. That's that's. I think that 
I don't know if I'm ready for it. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know, but it is Stevie Nicks. I have seen her once live. Mm -hmm. And you know what? This was an interesting thing. When I was in, I lived in Texas for a little while. Um, She came to town with, man, I don't remember who she was touring with at that time, but I didn't have tickets and they were really expensive once I found out they were, that it was even happening. It was like, you know, the $400 tickets left over. And I worked in this, um, sort of like outdoor shopping mall, similar to like the Green Hill shopping mall. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had this really big, tall parking garage. And I just like drove up to the top of that and laid a blanket out on the hood of my car and listened to her live on the hood of my car by myself at night in a parking garage. Cause she was like, I guess it was like a couple blocks down was the amphitheater and it was open. Like it was like a football stadium type theater and um, it was magical. So that was my first Stevie Nicks experience was just her voice dancing on the Houston air. It was so beautiful. And then I got to see her with um, Fleetwood Mac when they came to Nashville. Like a couple years it? ago. Yeah. Yeah. A few years ago. That was before they kicked uh, Lindsey Buckingham out again. <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So it was them and it was them in, in full capacity, which was really great. Um. And it was wild, too, for me to see, like, it was almost, like, equal parts, like, millennials as there were, like, people. Boomers. boomers, yeah. And all the millennials were, like, decked out in their velvet and their, like, feather hats and their boots and Dressing their shawls. Like Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was really cool. It was just, it was very powerful for me to see that, that this band was just like they're just truly to me the example of like transcend transcendence like across time time space just like they get it what, yeah. whatever they're doing just works and um and it always will it's just magic so they had so many different time periods too yes. like like the the early stuff is like pre stevie nicks you know i think it was like peter green maybe singing mm-hmm. and playing guitar and everything like that absolutely one of my favorite records is i think it's called my favorite record, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's uh, Bear Trees, Bear Trees, or it's like, yeah, I think that's what it's called, and it's got these beautiful, I'm more visual, so I'm more like the image that they created as opposed to the name, but it's got the, uh, it's like this gray, almost like London fog with trees behind it, and it's Peter Green, um, Christine, and John, and Mick, of course, and like one other person that I can't remember, um, and it's just like some raw, it's like some of their first, some of the first recordings with Christine and John, I believe. Um, it's just like raw, weird, kind of edgy. They do some instrumentals on it. It's just beautiful. It's very tasteful. Is that the one with Albatross on it? No, I don't think so. Do you know that song Albatross? Um, no. It's like an instrumental. I saw um, Dan Auerbach play at the Ryman a couple of years ago. Wow. And he, he was playing with all these old school Nashville and Memphis session people. Yeah. And one of the songs they did, that that was a song they covered. And it was just like this really pretty kind of dark instrumental. Oh, I want to I wanna look that up for sure. Yeah. I don't know how I've missed that. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of wild to think about the, the phases that that band has been through. I mean, they started as like a blues band. Mm-hmm. Straight just like up. like a straight up blues band. So it's pretty fascinating. And I think that that in itself is one of the most amazing factors of 
that group and just the energy that they've been carrying all these years. Sorry, my voice is breaking. No, you're good. Um, Just they've run the gamut of like the musical human experience in in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's true. Um, But still maintained their identity in some some way. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think, side note, that that has been somewhat of like, the coal in the underbelly of my rebellious spirit when it comes to like people just having to have an answer when it comes to my genre, like just having to. And I'm like, I don't have an answer for you exactly because who I was like two years ago and what I was making is so different from yeah. what I'm doing now because I'm evolving. And You're a different, a different person. Yeah. And I'm a connoisseur. Shedding connoiss- other layers. Absolutely. And I'm a connoisseur of music. So like, I like it all. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, it's gonna come out in one way or another when I'm writing and when I'm singing, and also my voice, like how I identify as a singer, is very different than the music that I write, and so that in itself kind of is a contradictory type vibe. So they've always, I think that they've always been running in the background again in my mind of like it doesn't matter. You don't have to have an answer. Just listen to the music, <laughs> you know, because they example that. Like, even though we can say, hey, they were clearly a blues blues band at one point, obviously that ability to morph into something else and become anything was really there in that in that beginning phase. So anyways, I'm rambling at this point. No, I, just, yeah. I clearly love Fleetwood Max. <laughs> yeah. And another artist that I really love who's like that is David Bowie. Yes. Because Bowie changed so much over his entire career. Yeah, yeah, he did. He had many different phases. You know, my my personal favorite phase of Bowie is the uh, the Thin White Duke phase. You know, where he was in Berlin recording, mm. and he produced Iggy Pop in that period as well. That was like the 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 rebirth of Iggy Pop, where he did the Idiot okay. and Lust for Life. Yeah, and, and him and Bowie did those two albums together. And Bowie, that's when he was starting to get way more experimental with synths. And yeah. he did that album, Low. Have you ever listened to that before? No, I haven't. That is um, blasphemous, but I have not gotten real deep into, into Bowie um, at all, actually, which I need to rectify in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, for yeah. me, I started off listening to Ziggy Stardust. Mm-hmm. I, I really love that album a lot, and I didn't get yeah. the get the other stuff. Like I think any artist that really changes over the course of their career, um, sometimes the, the listeners are not always there with them yet, especially if they yeah. radically change. You know what yeah. I mean? And um, so I didn't get that stuff at first, but as I got a little bit older and I started to understand like the artistry and growth of it, yeah. where it's like you want to change and you want to be something different, I really learned to appreciate it in yeah. a, a new way. That's really fascinating. Yeah, just, I mean, the human experience does not require change that is so drastic that there's a lack of recognition from point A to point B, but it happens a lot. <laughs> so when artists are willing to and able to embody that, it's really a beautiful thing because it, um, I think it creates a, a safe, a safe space for the people who do have that in them and who are going to be taking that trajectory, whether they know it or not to be like, Hey, you know what? Like you can have 16 different 
existences happening at once. You can be this person here and this person there and this person six years ago and this person 15 years from now. Like my therapist even says like a lot of people don't live more than one life. And she's like, I lived one life for a really long time. And in the past 10 years of my life, I've lived four or five or six different lives. And she's like, I've just reinvented myself and learned more about myself in ways that just drastically changed how I present myself to the world and how I even see uh, life in itself. And it's pretty cool. And for the people who do kind of stay in that, that really straight trajectory, um, that's a beautiful thing as well. And, uh, but yeah, so these, these metamorphosis type artists, artists are just fascinating to me and they, they've always been a safe space for me. Elton John was one of my, mm-hmm. like, he was my first love. Really? Literally first love. Heartbroken when I found out that I couldn't marry him. <laughs> I mean, heartbroken. <laughs> and I've always, I've also always been like, so how my parents didn't pick up on the fact that I was not going to be heteronormative, <laughs> that my first love was an obvious drag queen who played piano and sang beautiful pop songs. Um, someone missed that. But yeah. <laughs> um, but he his ability to be so many different people, at least with the way he presented himself to the world, um, and the songs, man, just the, the rich variety of sounds the music and is textures. Good. And, oh, anyways, just... Touching on all those different pieces of being a person. Did you so. see the Elton John movie that came out with? Uh, I haven't seen that yet. Taron Edgerton is that his name? Yeah. He I um. It, I guess the movie is supposed to be as recounted by Elton John the way he saw it. Like that. Yeah. I, I just saw the trailer for it, and there was this one scene where he was playing the show. And the piano and everybody on stage lifted up in the air. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's how he remembered it. Like, that was the feeling that he had. So I think it blends a lot of those kind oh, of senses. that makes so much sense. Because I've seen the previews and been like, um, can I cuss? Can I yeah, say? Okay. yeah, I was yeah. like, well, I'll be damned. They're floating right now. What is happening? Did yeah. that, re- like, of course I'm not like, did that really happen? But I'm like, who, did a producer come up with this brilliant, beautiful idea of just the feeling that you would get with Elton John playing songs for you? Or was that Elton John himself? I think it was Elton John. I think he had a lot of say in that movie. That's really cool. I had no idea. I need to get into it. I think I've been avoiding it just for the sheer, like, sometimes things like that are so much for me. Because it's so much love and so much, like, oh that i I carry in expectations yeah or just that i'll get overwhelmed (laughs) like um like i had to prepare for like six days before i met dolly parton for the first time like just because i knew that i was gonna lose it you met dolly parton i've met her twice yeah what was Um, she like overwhelming totally overwhelming beautiful fantastic kind warm loving she's actually really tender and like in the settings that i met her in she was not shy because it's Dolly Parton, but very, um, ugh, what is a good word for it? Very respectful of how much intensity was there in general. Not necessarily her intensity or other people's intensity, but just a lot of respect and space holding. So there was a calmness and quietness about her approach to everything. Almost like she was like carefully curating the moment for everybody. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. She wants them to have a good Dolly experience. Wants them to have a good Dolly experience. Yes, absolutely. And um and was tendering and and actually quite quite quiet. Like when she spoke, it was funny 
but it wasn't a whole bunch of like ego and taking over the room. Her energy naturally does that. Her energy is naturally like a vacuum. Like you can feel her like a mile away, like Dolly's landed. She's, she's in, she's not here yet, but she's in the world around me right now. Mm -hmm. But she is still very, she's gracious with her, with her space. It's beautiful to be around. Um, but yeah, I knew I was going to get to meet her and I was just like, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how to handle this. Did you cry? Uh, later. I didn't in the moment, but <laughs> I sure did later. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was everything I could do to hold it together. She had like glitter on her boobs and she smelled really good. And she was like, <laughs> this is all things that I would expect. <laughs> it was so much. Um, I mean, literally it's been, I guess probably six years and I'm still having this reaction to it. So it's wild. And then I get to meet her for the second time. And, um, I was there with, um, a couple of people from like her family and she's got some, um, she's got some relatives that are very talented burlesque dancers. And I was there with like my garb. I wear a lot less makeup than I used to. Like I used to wear like full face, nothing less, like two pair of fake eyelashes on each eye, big lips, big curly bouffant hair, sequins like whatever and um I was there in that same group of people and so her first question to me the second time of meeting her because of course she didn't like necessarily remember me um she was like hi honey are you a stripper (laughs) I was like that's what she called the burlesque dancers and I was like oh my god I can't imagine any better of like an introduction to Dolly Parton and I said did you want to say yes I d- well, I did. I said, well, you know what? Anything. Anything for you, Dolly. I was like, it's whatever. Whatever you want, sure. <laughs> I was like, but no, I'm a singer. And she's like, oh, that's right. I met you last year. And she did actually, at that point, remember. Because, again, she's very she's very attuned to people. I think She's like Oprah, dude. She's like she, a country music Oprah. Yeah. I don't even... I mean, I honestly often wonder if, like, how human she is, you know? Like... She's got like a capacity that is like superhuman in a way, but she, she, she just holds space. And I think that's what's taken her so far and allowed her to create such the, the, the magic and wonder that she has in the world for people, um, or bring that to the surface. I I wouldn't say any of us are like really creating. We're just, um, exposing and bringing to the surface what is already there and making it accessible to people in in a new way and she's done that because i think she genuinely wants wants to like there's a a true kindness in her that she's like i want to make this world doable and happy and loving for people and um anyways it's really cool energy to be around intense though if you love her as much as i do i mean it was weeks afterwards before i was normal (laughs) that's awesome yeah yeah have you listened to the uh, Merle Haggard song, Always Wanting You? Do you know that one? Yeah. That's about Dolly. I know. I know. Um, Merle Haggard's a really special factor in my life, too. I could just, man, we could just talk about country music. Yeah, let's do it. I'm down. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's one of, actually one of my favorite songs. So when you brought that up, I was like, wow. And it was my favorite song before I realized that, too. Um, it's a beautiful song. It is. It is absolutely gorgeous. I used to sing it, um, like for shows and stuff. I need to pick it back up. But um, yeah, Merle Haggard, man, he is 
if I had to, oh God, that's a tough one. I'm like putting myself in a corner on this, but if I had to like pick my, my top, like two favorite singers, um, it would be Merle Haggard and like Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, mainly because of their technique and their ability to use the, the instrument that is the human voice. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't necessarily, in my opinion, be the most, like, I wouldn't put them in, like, the very most pleasing sounds, but the the knowledge of the human voice and how to use it and how to utilize it and how to um, express with it is just so pinpointed with both of them. It's just beyond. Um, and he was actually a classically trained singer. And so, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know for how long. I'm not exactly sure about like that extent of of his training, but it did happen. You know, whether it was like a lesson from a classical singer or you know a couple of years of learning how. But he did have professional, official voice lessons, um, and obviously Barbara Streisand has like no doubt about that. So it's really interesting to to see the stark difference in how they express themselves, but. Um, but also to know that Merle Haggard was able to like reassimilate that knowledge and that ability into quite the accessible, almost like thumb and nose country music that he made. But, um, but I mean, if you, if you tune into his voice, it is like, it's flawless. And, um, and even some of like, just the sound, he like makes like troll sounds. Have you noticed that? And like in, in his, in his recordings, there's like all these like goofy laughs and grunts and sounds that he makes in between verses. Mm-hmm. And they're almost like they're rhythmic in a way. And they're like, what does he even make? Like, what is that sound that just came out of his mouth? But he's just such an artist that like, you can just hear like just his existence in that, in that space, his humanness, like his, his um, his responses to the music around him in those live recording sessions are musical in themselves. And so I'm just fascinated with him, but, um, he's been, he's been my true North since I discovered him, which was right when I moved to town, I had never heard his music before I moved to Nashville and someone introduced me and I was just blown away. It was uh, the same for me. I didn't really know much about him. You know, I I didn't really know even any of his hits Yeah, and, um, the thing that I really like about him is just that uh, people call him like the the common man's poet or whatever, and that's mm-hmm. that's one hundred percent true. It's like so it's, true. It's just so real, you know, and like everything that he sang about were th- were things that he experienced. Yeah, you know what I mean. I feel like sometimes in Nashville or in the music business in general, people are just trying to have careers. Absolutely. And like this is my brand. I feel like if you said like ask Merle Haggard what his brand was, he might hit you. You know, he would, he would get upset. He would be like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I really love his song, Love and Honor. Do you know that one? No. That's People on, um, if we make it through December. Okay. Yeah. And it's a song about, uh, marriage and divorce. And oh, he's, wow. he's singing like, everything is just so nuanced. Like he's a very nuanced lyricist. Yeah. And, um. Like the the lyric from the song on the turnaround is, I bet love and honor never crossed your mind. And it's all about him singing, you know, to his significant other about how she's cheating on him. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. It's just very evocative, you know. It's just Mm -hmm. like, it's just something that you can't really explain the the feeling of. 
Yeah. But when you hear it, you can relate to it. And I think music is like the, the sound of the divine. It's oh, that yeah. thing that we can't really talk about or that we know how to express with words. Mm-hmm. But the sound of chords and singing words, there's just something about it that comes from this other place. Absolutely. Me and uh, me and my wife were just watching like something on the History Channel about um, ancient sound techniques and the way that our ancestors understood to create spaces that would um, replicate sounds of the animals around them. Like you could stand in a certain corner in an amphitheater and clap and the echo chamber would create the sound of a bird calling. Interesting. Wild stuff, right? But that's something they, you know, were taking you on this journey of all these examples of how our ancestors really, I mean, like clearly were investing tons of time and energy and resources into sound um for worship and for community and all these things and that's one of the things that they said was the the music is um music is the sound of the divine so it was beautiful to hear you say that i mean it was they literally said that verbatim so um it's official i'm a genius you are (laughs) you are um you're tuned in man so where can people uh was that was that 30 minutes or three minutes Okay. 30. So do we have 30 or does that mean we are done at the 30 minute mark? Uh, no, no. I was just having a okay. signal me for for the time. Okay. I'm trying to be professional now and shit because I'm working at a radio station. <laughs> right. So right, right. we have to give like a 10 second countdown. I was like, I should do a 10 minute countdown that way I know right. it's winding down. So now the listeners, they'll be able to listen to this and know that we're halfway through. Okay. Nice. I love that. We just you got meta. Are, you guys are so on it. <laughs> we're trying to be. <laughs> That's great. So you were going to ask where people can... Uh, find your stuff at. Like where can sure. they, they find your social media and all that stuff? For sure. Um, my name is L-I-L-L-I-E and then Syracuse, like the city. And that is just across the board where you can find me. So like Instagram, it's just going to be that name. No fancy underscores or markings or music it's just my name um facebook the same story i even have a personal page friend page that i i mean i'm over it at this point it's not creepy just add me on there um what's the worst that can happen it's like the new business card (laughs) seriously they know everything about us our our information's not private no you can get it just as much as anyone else can whatever add me it's a better way for me to stay in touch with you i'm not spending a whole lot of money on facebook ads yeah um so if you really want to see updates from me it's going to be on my friend page right now yeah so things will change at some point i'm sure for all of us and as careers continue moving in whatever direction they're going but right now i'm just trying to keep it as real and organic as possible um i'm sure every record label that i would talk to at this point would be like oh no no that's not the way it works but i don't care yeah (laughs) good yeah it's just unimportant to me i think that's the mentality we have to take as artists because it's like there's there's so much bullshit that comes along absolutely man and now really we're the deciders of everything i think the absolutely the the art of making music and trying to have a career there's some shit that's just stressful and i i I personally don't like like yeah. I, I don't like the social media aspect all that much. I like uh, communicating with people and talking to people. Sure, but when it came time to release this, this is a single that I did, um, 
back in October. It's this song called Gina, Gina, Gina by the Poptimist. You can find it on Spotify, mm, all nice, those nice, good nice. places. Um, if you're so interested, but, um, I really just hated having to go to social media. I don't mind posting about stuff being mm-hmm. like, there's a new episode of the podcast, but I don't like the whole branding aspect of it. It's something that really bothers me. And maybe it's because I'm not good at it. Maybe it's a reflection of me. It probably is. I mean, it all is, right? Yeah. yeah. I I actually love the um, the image imagery and the uh, maybe not pinning myself into one brand, but I do love the visual communication portion of that social media allows us to engage in and like album art and all that stuff. Like I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. But the pressure. Um, that's the fun part yeah the, those are the fun parts to me and then the, the pressure it just it just man and the the number the numbers game and like the, that's the grossest part it just it's a weird thing i'm like it just is gonna be what it's gonna be and um i don't have trust fund money i'm not a trust fund baby i don't have huge investors um, so wherever my career is going is going to be because of the honesty and the connection and the hard work and all the rest of the stuff will fall into place when it's, when it's necessary in time. And I'll be damned if I'm the one having to do it all. I'm not going to be glued to a cell phone and to a laptop for the next 10 years to get my career off the ground. I'm going to do what I do best and do what I know is honest and true from my heart. And when the time comes, people will be able to help me establish all of that other stuff and hope, you know, there'll be money there to pay them to do it. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's just absolutely. like, I'm not, I'm not going to compromise my art and I'm not going to compromise myself. Like if it was just the art and I could still be present, I could figure out a way to work around that and still honor the art, but I can't be present. That's just not me. I can't do it. I, I get overwhelmed and I get, I get underwhelmed too. I get bored. I like both things happen where I just, I can't focus on it. And then I'm also like, ugh, I just don't even want to anymore. You know, I just want to go back and man, at this point, just watch TV would be better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just, I learned that about myself probably like halfway into, um, I was under management for a while, um, on music row and like had a totally different approach to my career at that time. And I learned towards the end of that relationship, um, I just couldn't, I, this is not the way I was going to operate. And, um, and I wasn't going to be chasing down labels anymore. I was just like, I don't care. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> it just is what it is. So it's funny you say that. Cause one thing that I was really thinking about a lot, the last half of 2019 was this idea of waiting to be happy. Like I mm-hmm. felt for a long time I was waiting to be happy oh, until yeah. I got the things that I wanted. Totally. In my career, I got whatever the, the the bullshit is that we tell ourselves that we want. Mm-hmm. But um, I really felt this change start to happen in me. And it's like, I can see the, the two sets of people here in Nashville. And I, I think it's like this with anything creative or maybe just even in life, like outside of industry or any of that shit, mm-hmm. where this idea of waiting to be like, I'll have this and then I'll finally be able to be happy. Yeah. And I think people with like jobs do that too, where they're like, I'll get a house or I'll get a car or I'll get married and then I'll be happy. For sure. And I was doing that with a career stuff. Like I was like, once I get this much into my career, then I'll be happy. Once this happens, I'll be satisfied. 
And I learned quickly as things started progressing and things started going in a better direction that that wasn't the case. And I had to be learned to be happy now. Right now. Right now. And I couldn't wait to do it anymore. And I started focusing more on just living a life that I'm really satisfied with mm-hmm. and that I'm proud of. Right. Like that feeling at the end of the day where I'm laying in bed right before I fall asleep and I'm like, I had a good day today. I did everything that I wanted to do. Yeah. I didn't have to answer to anybody um, except myself, which is the most important person that you have to answer to, in my opinion, is is that voice, that, that yeah. spiritual thing that exists inside of every one of us. Mm-hmm. And we can choose to ignore it, and I feel like that's a life of misery, or you can choose to embrace it, and that's a life of satisfaction. Yeah. Not necessarily happiness, but that is the path, as they say. Right. There's a fulfillment found in that space. That's a good word for it, yes. Yeah. Like a... And like you said, it's not always, it's not always a happiness, you know, ha- happiness is, is an experience in, in a moment, you know, there's, there's a contentment and joy and peace that it's runs. Fleeting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that fulfillment, knowing that you're, you're never empty, I think is like, that's what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Um, in my personal life, I'm not, I'm not, um, comparing or bouncing yeah, off of, no, I'm just I saying like, I, like. Uh, um, that's, that's my main goal. My main goal. (laughs) That's so, that's so, um, goal oriented of me, but that's, that's definitely what I look for, um, in my day-to-day life. I've had, I've had a couple of, I've had a couple of rough months and, uh, but at the same time, those months were filled with like lots of amazing, beautiful change. And so many, it's been a month of duality and dichotomy for me for sure. And, um, I've just in any moment where I was feeling really dark or really lost or really confused, like I just mm-hmm. kept going back to that place of like knowing that I'm not empty. There's, there's no emptiness here, you know, and there's, and and what I've filled myself up with is like, is, um, truth and the constant search for, um, for that and for, um, love and sincerity and honesty and, Self-acceptance. Self-acceptance, meeting myself and everyone else where they're at. And like all of that stuff kind of like fills up your, your, your jar pretty quickly. And it's always there for you when you need it. Um, and I mean, like, seriously, when you get in those spaces where things are getting really dark and uncomfortable and you start forgetting about those things, they didn't go anywhere because once you get those in your jar, they cannot be removed in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. they're just, they're there. So although you're like conscious, like monkey brain is not thinking about it. Like I, I literally said to myself a couple of times these past few months, remember how good it feels to be grateful. Even though right now you're feeling really freaked out. Remember how good it feels to be grateful because it's there already. You have acquired that skill you know that it's a reality, you know that it's a gift, and you know that it fixes everything when you truly feel grateful. Go to that. Even if it hurts and doesn't feel right right now, just keep pulling for it. And, um, you know, a couple days of that, and I'm feeling 50% better. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Uh, Was it immediate? No. Um, Did I still have really rough days there? Yes. I was in a car accident that, like, totally 
totally um, fucked some things up for a little while and shifted shifted these past couple months. And now that I'm kind of starting to get to a place where I'm feeling better and more, you know, like at least 50% myself again, um, it was such a gift. It's been a gift. It's been a gift. It's just, and I'm still unpacking it. I'm still learning all of the beauty of it, but I do know that it was a gift. And that was another skill that I had acquired over these years of trying to fill, fill up my jar and make sure that I was fulfilled on a true deep level was that, um, everything's a gift. And so when this happened to me and I thought that it was like bullshit, (laughs) why did this happen right before my wedding? Um, why do I have a concussion? Why is my whole life turned upside down? Like all of these things, like I kept going back to, you know, that everything is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Even if you can't figure it out right now, it's a Mm -hmm. gift. Just keep leaning into that. And, um, it's just been it's been such a healer in that process, and it's kept me hopeful because concussions can be real weird. I'm, oh we, yeah, I know we talked about that when we first met. Yeah, like, they can they mess with your mood and they mess with your stability and they mess with your ability and your capabilities and everything. <laughs> so there were some days there where that's all I had was just that, just that knowing and being able to access that that pebble that I had put in my jar. Um, anyways. I digress. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean the concussion thing. um, When we first met, we had talked about it a little bit because I had an experience, you know, when I was 13 where I had gotten hit in the head a couple of times playing sports. And um, when I didn't, uh, looking back on it now, it's funny because uh, that was kind of a turning point for me because I kind of turned away from doing that kind of stuff and focused more on Mm -hmm. music. So, cause I was out of school for like a month yeah, and it was right at the start of baseball season. And I just decided this is, this is not for me. I don't, this is not where my gifts lie, I guess. I guess even at that time, I, I knew it in some way. Yeah. And I got really into, um, to listening to music and that, that is what I would do all day was just interested in that. And I got obsessed with it and yeah. all I wanted to do was, was get a bass. Nice. I was like, I really want to play the bass. And that was the start of it for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, like it can be a major turning point in people's injuries in general. And the ones that like sit you back on your ass for a second Mm -hmm. and change up how you do life can really, they can, I mean, obviously it has a lot to do with how you look at it and how you lean into the opportunity, but they can really be gifts and they can be pivotal turning points in your life even at a young age like that, mm-hmm. you know, how, how like self-aware you were that you were like, you know what, because of this change in my life, like I'm going to do, this is making me happy. And instead of getting really down and depressed that you can play baseball anymore, which would be very easy to do yeah. at that age. And I'm sure happened to you f- from time to time. Yeah, but. no, I mean, I was super obsessed with baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and it was all that I wanted to do, you know, I yeah. wanted to play professionally and all, all that good stuff. And, uh, looking back on it, it's so funny to think it was just a different life. And, um, wow. recently within the past, um, couple of months, uh, when the playoffs were starting to happen, it was the end of the season. I started getting interested in baseball again and just wanting to like listen to the games while I drive, mm-hmm. just to have something else to listen to besides podcast or music or something yeah. like that. And uh, 
I just felt a little bit of that old love there for it still. And I was yeah. like, okay, you know, because I, I kind of just did done a 180 and I'm like, I'm into punk rock now. And right. This is going to be my thing. <laughs> I'm going to be anti-baseball and anti-sports. Right, right. The complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like a very kid thing to do, you know, right. like you're just trying to find your identity and who you are. Sure, and all that. yeah. Um, but it was definitely a pretty big moment in my life. Perhaps like... If I had to pick five big moments, I would say it was probably in there, like getting hit in the head multiple times and just not being very skilled at baseball was important. <laughs> yeah, right. That's hysterical. Yeah, you're not supposed to catch the ball with your head. You're supposed to catch nope. it with the glove. With the actual yeah, the glove, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was uh, an important lesson to learn for me. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, man, it's been, it's been a wild trip as well but i guess like i guess what where this all stem stem from was finding that um that happiness and then like i don't know i really i've been leaning into the with i've been i've been down and like taking a, a break and rest and recuperating for like going on three months now mm -hmm. um and yeah i've had a lot of i've had a lot of time to like um, put words to like what I, you know, what I've been feeling and really sit with it and think about it. And, um, have you seen, there's like, there's a video of someone like they filled their jar up with like sand and then they tried to put like, I don't know, like they were like stones or rocks or something like mm -hmm. that. And you could only get like one or two in there because it was all filled up with sand. And then they did the reverse where they put all the stones and the rocks in first. And then they trickled the sand down in there and you're able to fit everything. And, you know, because yeah. like, um, I mean, we'd need a video for people to fully visualize that. But the rocks created space for the sand to fill up what was missing. Um, and it just it was so interesting to then see that playing out in my life um, through meditation and literally just like being on, on my back for a couple of days straight. I was just like, oh my gosh, those rocks are like those concrete proofs of like life that, that I've been gathering over these years, just mm -hmm. realizing that there is, there is peace, there is joy, there is gratitude, there is happiness, there is sadness, there is fear, there is like all these things. And those are these real concrete things that are taking up the official first space in my life. And then all of this other beautifulness, like, um, grocery stores and shopping and friends and yes. phone calls and the, you know, Christmas lights and all the, the sparkles and all that stuff can fill in and make this a very full jar. But when all that stuff's gone and I can't focus on any of it, I still have those rocks that are like concreted into me. Um, it's been beautiful. It's been really beautiful. I'm very grateful for my concussion. <laughs> That's a great note to end on. <laughs> We're just going to leave it there. Leave it right there. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate of course. it.